look into some of the other things that are out there that will allow you to really evaluate the health of recruiting within the workforce within your organization and then use those as you're educating or influencing your senior leadership around how to position the organization to be effective in the future. Hello and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull, and on this show we interview today's industry leaders in talent acquisition to discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds. If you are working in talent acquisition and have always wanted to sit down with your peers at other companies to exchange ideas and learn, well, this show is the next best thing. Join us each week as we bring you a new expert interview and extract their expertise. This episode is brought to you by SageMark HR. Transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology. Selecting the right recruiting solutions to enable your strategy is one of the biggest challenges leaders face today. You know technology will help, but searching all the options to find out what will work best for your specific needs can be both overwhelming and time-consuming. At SageMark HR, we make selecting the right recruiting technology easy. Our proven process has helped companies such as 3M, Comcast, Stryker, Walgreens, and many more. Reach out to us at SageMark HR for a free consultation to learn how we can help you improve results with less stress and confidently change from reacting to leading. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the TA Leaders Podcast. Today, I have an interview with my friend, Paul Shane. Paul is the Senior Director of Talent Acquisition at Rev Group. Paul, good to see you. Welcome to the show. Good to see you too, Ryan. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, let's start off the way we always do. If you could share a little bit around your background and specifically how you got started in recruiting, some of the places that you've been leading up to your current role at Rev Group, that would be great. Absolutely. No, happy to do that. And I realized that my background probably starts a little similar to most where I didn't start in HR, but I think probably one thing that's a little bit more unique about my background is I actually started in IT. So I came out of college at an absolute perfect time to be an IT major when all the Y2K activities were going around in the late 90s. And when that ended up being kind of a non-event, I used that opportunity to make a move into HR. And I've really been in HR ever since 2000. And so if I look over my history, I would say most of my time has been in either talent acquisition, talent management, or leadership development. I really tend to gravitate towards the COEs and really enjoy being in one of those specialty areas, working with our generalists. But I guess if I look at my history, I've spent most of my career Career, working for large Fortune 500 you know, organizations and really was in, in, put into a leadership role of leading a talent acquisition function starting in 2008. And so really from 2008 onward, I've been leading, whether it's national or global talent acquisition or talent management functions for, for companies. But then I would say that about a year ago, I actually had an opportunity to join Rev Group here. And I think I get asked a lot, like, why did you make that particular move? And I think uh, one of the things that really kind of jumped off the page of me is that I look over my last 12 to 15 years, I was working for really large, well-established organizations where I was inheriting a function and I would move it forward. And then I would, you know, with a goal of leaving it better than how I inherited it. And really part of the value proposition here at Rev is the organization is going through a pretty substantial transformation right now. And I got to build from scratch instead of inheriting an existing platform. And so that was really kind of motivating for me. I think the other thing though, too, is I just saw an organization here in Rev that makes really cool fire trucks and ambulances and school buses and city buses at a time where manufacturing is going gangbusters here in the U.S. And after having worked financial services for the last six years, I saw this as a really cool opportunity to jump back into manufacturing and really help be part of the talent movement that we're all experiencing right now. 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And it Rev is an exciting place and uh, cool products and, and those types of things. I get it. If you wouldn't mind, share a little bit of some of the brands or some of the organizations that you've worked for in the past. You've got a, a really great background yeah, with some great Fortune 500 companies. And then we'll talk a little bit more specifically about your experience at Rev Group. Yeah. If you look at my history, it's kind of interesting. I either have worked in manufacturing or I worked in financial services. And so on the manufacturing side, I've worked for companies like Rockwell Automation, Eastman Chemical. On the financial services side, I've worked for Northwestern Mutual, KPMG. And so just to, just to name a, a few, but it seemed to really gravitate towards those two industries as really piquing my curiosity from a professional standpoint. Yeah, that's great. And great background and experience. So as you look at Rev Group, maybe help me understand a little bit around kind of the scope of your role. So you talked a little bit about what Rev Group does. Talk a little bit about from a TA perspective, like how big is your team, how many hires, types of hires, those kinds of things. Yeah, we have a talent acquisition team here of seven, and it's a strong team where we recruit in excess of 2,000 hires each year into Rev Group. My team is ultimately responsible for all the recruiting that takes place, whether it's campus, for our hourly manufacturing population, for our, our salary professional population, even getting up into some of our more senior leadership type roles. We are a U.S. only organization from an employee footprint. So my team is coast to coast as far as how we support our businesses, but that's really kind of the scope that we do here. When it comes to just the organization itself and some of the transformation I mentioned earlier is that Rev Group really came about out of a, really kind of a startup in a private equity space where a private equity firm had purchased all of these special vehicle manufacturers and then started to organize them and created really Rev Group to be the governing organization over the top of them. And really the transformation we've been on the last couple of years is really moving from a holding company to an operating company, which means that if you think about that in the context of HR, we are moving from talent acquisition being done at each one of the individual facilities, completely independent and talent management and all these other HR functions were done purely within the, the individual businesses. We really are now on a multi-year effort to centralize some of those activities and create the COE model that we're operating in now. And so that's really, that's the transformation around we're on. And to my earlier point, it's really exciting work to be able to build from ground up and really kind of be able to leave your fingerprint on how it's going to be designed and, and rolled out within the organization. Yeah, that's great. That's really exciting work to be able to build that and, and create that and, and show the organization the level of value that you can get out of a TA center of excellence. So if you wouldn't mind first kind of sharing a little bit about where you've come. So you've been there a little over a year. Talk a little bit about what the early stage of that transformation strategy looked like, maybe some of the initiatives that you've led early stage. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been a big shift over the last couple of years. So to your point, I really joined Rev in July of last year. And so I've been here for just a little bit under a year now. But what I coming into the mix, the talent acquisition function had just literally been started centralized from that standpoint about uh, about a year before that. And so and starting to fully pull some of the recruiting out from HR managers and HR generalists at the site into a centralized model. And so to that point, you had to create processes. We had to create you know, procedures, roles and responsibilities. We had 16 different businesses. So you have to start to find some common ground for everything from how are we going to go to market and what's going to be our brand and how are we going to assess talent and bring them in. And so creating some uh, consistency across 16 different businesses at the same time is obviously no small effort. Uh, as you can imagine, trying to get 16 different folks to try to agree on one thing is a bit of a challenge, but that's where a fun part of my job comes in, which is leveraging some data, leveraging some relationships, some best practices from outside, including some best practices I hear right on your podcast, Ryan, and bringing those in and using that to help to influence 
the leadership teams of these businesses to want to work in this kind of a model. But I would say so far, it's been really a successful ride. And the fact that, like I said, we've been able to handle the uptick in all the recruiting that's going on here in the US, a tight job market, COVID and everything else. And to be in a place where we're, we're recruiting over 2000 people a year, again, with seven people on the team is something I think that we all hold our heads up real high about. Yeah, that's great. Excellent work there. So let's shift some gears a little bit. And as we start looking forward, kind of current state and forward, maybe start out, let's talk a little bit about some of the initiatives that you're leading now and kind of um, what you guys have on the horizon over the next year or two, as well as maybe some of the market challenges that you see and what's different today. And how do you see some of those market pressures unfolding? Yeah, I think I'm going to start with the market pressures first, because then I think you'll see the fingerprint of those in some of our initiatives. And so I like looking up and out of the organization and looking at at workforce trends, paying attention to uh, political factors, financial factors, anything that's going to be impacting the talent pool that is that I would consider to be my addressable talent pool. And there's been no shortage of things over the last two years to keep us focused. Everything from not only COVID and what that's done to the overall workforce, but the significant increase in number of open jobs we have here in the U.S. and what's been talked about for decades around an aging workforce and how do you respond to that. But I think there's just a few things that I would say I want to highlight here as far as areas that have piqued my curiosity and I keep a very close eye on. And then when I find some of the trends that I think are going to impact how we want to position a rev group and our businesses to make sure we're attracting, retaining, and developing the right kind of talent. It's where I start to bring some of those trends from outside, inside, and try to have it push some of our talent strategies. So one of the trends that I've been keeping a real close eye on over the last couple of years, especially, is around some of the um, movement of talent between urban and rural markets. I think I, I would not be alone to say that many manufacturers have some of their facilities in maybe suburbs of urban environments, but plenty also have manufacturing facilities in very rural areas. Rev Group is no different. We have some in, in suburbs of really large metro areas, as well as some that are in towns of 600 people that are two hours away from the next largest community. And so as we were looking at some of the shifts of talent and trying to figure out what kind of impact that's going to have on what we need to do to attract talent to certain areas, that's been an area of focus. Obviously, COVID has put a few different things into play. Number one is the remote versus in-person work arrangement has been a big impact. But then also, if you look at some of the back end of COVID, we're into this environment now where we have higher inflation. And that I believe, this is purely me speaking here or speculating, that it's going to pull some people who have been on the sidelines, maybe now back into the workplace because family household income maybe doesn't go as, as far as it used to with, with inflation. We've also seen higher gas prices shrink the radius in which we can recruit for certain roles, where folks, especially if a role has to be on site, Usually we could go out about an hour away from our facilities and still find some people who are willing to make the drive in. But now we're having to shorten that to 45 minutes to 30 minutes away from our site because gas prices are having that much bigger impact on the take-home pay for, for individuals. So I think those are just a few of the factors that I watch outside of, of REV to really understand what we need to be working on inside here to, to ensure that we have the talent that we need. So to the first part of your question then, some of the things that we're working on quite a bit is we are putting a, a much greater focus and more deliberate focus on recruiting from the armed services. And so Rev has always had a great history of recruiting either transitioning soldiers or veterans based upon what we do. I mean, we're, again, we build fire trucks, we build ambulances, we build school buses and city buses and terminal trucks. And we find that a lot of folks in the armed services really like that purpose-driven effort that we do as an organization. And so we're trying to increase the amount of efforts that we're doing there. 
number two is we're really trying to improve the overall candidate and pre-hire experience. So how are we getting people through our processes faster, but without cutting some of the corners that I think actually gives a candidate too quick of a response. Like candidates still want to know what the organization is all about, how they can fit in, what their career is going to look like. And I think that this time right now, we've I've seen some organizations, in my opinion, overcorrect a little bit and try to get to things too fast. And so trying to remove, I'll say waste or lean out our hiring and pre-employment process, but with still creating a good learning experience and engagement experience for candidates. And I think the third thing I would say is in my career in talent acquisition, I've always been focused on bringing talent into organizations. I've never focused more much my effort on also how do we retain the talent within our organizations? And you'll say, well, why is the uh, talent acquisition lead focused on that? And it's because Every person we hang on to, it's one less position that my team has to fill. And so my team has been very active in the things that we can control to help reduce turnover on the back end of things so that it helps to keep our our overall hiring volumes within reasonable limits. So those are just a few of the external factors and internal projects that the team and I have been working on over the last year. No, that's a lot. And I appreciate you kind of going over the market pressures and, and economic conditions and how that translates into challenges that you're trying to address through your initiatives. I think that's really well thought out. Yeah, we, I mean, it seems like every six months we're like, this is unprecedented. This is unprecedented. I mean, the what's <laughs> happened since COVID into now and now the economic pressures around, you're absolutely right. You know, inflation and the cost of a commute, um, as well as migration in people working from home or hybrid or in the locations and, and the impacts of that. All of those things are creating tremendous challenges, yet tremendous opportunities for people who think strategically around talent acquisition. I always say like, I've been in it almost 27 years in, in the TA space. I've never seen as big a challenges or as big as opportunities. It's really the time for TA leaders to shine. So I appreciate you outlining all of that and what you're doing. I think you're definitely moving down the right path and a well, well thought out strategy. So kudos to you for that. Appreciate um, that. Yeah, yeah. So final question for you is uh, part of the reason for this podcast, not only to share people's Uh, unique journeys and what you're doing and share best practices and how people are thinking about things. But also want to get back to the talent acquisition community that you and I have had the blessing of being part of for a number of years. So what's a piece of advice that, or a couple of pieces of advice that you would give to the audience, something that's helped you, some advice that's worked well for you, or just things that you've learned along the way that really help people be successful in this space? Yeah, I think there's two things I would mention. And so the first one is really to build on your last statement around based upon the dynamic time we're in right now in talent acquisition, there's a lot of opportunity. And so a lot of opportunity to be very strategic. And at the same time, there's a big pressure to not. And that's just all of the volumes of wrecks that teams are handling right now. I see folks just want to put their heads down and just want to plow through open positions. But I really do think there's an opportunity for us to pick our head up a little bit and look around and really identify where there are opportunities, not only to adjust processes or do better marketing or things like that, but really kind of look at some of the demographic trends and some of the way that work's going to be done over the next five or 10 years. And how do we position organizations, our organizations to be effective? So a perfect example of that is I was looking at some data lately that right now the gap really between the number of open jobs and those that are in the workforce, but unemployed, it's about a 5.6 million person gap here in the U.S., And then if you add in the infrastructure bill that was passed last year, that's supposed to add another 15 million jobs over the next 10 years. And our population isn't supposed to grow that fast. And so to your point around some of the opportunities or advice for fellow TA leaders out there is how is your organization going to respond 
in that kind of environment over the next 10 years to ensure that you have the talent that you need. I think the other thing in that too is for as long as I've been in talent acquisition, I've heard you know C-level executives talking about how the people are their most important asset. And now I'm actually seeing a lot more investment and attention being paid to talent acquisition, talent management, really how do you, again, attract, retain, and develop that talent given some of the shortfalls or gaps that we have in unemployment. So I think that's one of the areas I would actually absolutely implore people to do. I think a second thing, is, and this is a little bit off of the first, but never has there been a time where I've seen more value in data and analytics in recruiting. You know, recruiting, when I first started, was all about the relationship. And that's still critically important. So I don't want any of the folks out there who are highly extroverted, highly networked recruiters think that their, their time is coming to an end. I would say far from it. But being able to leverage some of the data and analytics you have inside and outside your organization to evaluate what's getting the results you need, what's driving the right kind of behaviors and act actions, and then being able to make changes to it. Also being able to serve that data up when you're trying to get support for funding or for change management or things like that. So I would encourage that for fellow talent acquisition folks out there is, is look beyond only the, you know, the time to fills or maybe the cost per hire, you know, look beyond some of those standard, well, probably top four, top five metrics that most TA folks talk about and look into some of the other things that are out there that will allow you to really evaluate the health of recruiting within your organization, the health of the workforce within your organization, and then use those as you're educating or influencing your senior leadership around how to position the organization to be effective in the future. No, those are great. That's absolutely great advice. Paul, I appreciate you being a member of my network, as well as appreciate you being a guest on the podcast. So thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and your journey, and hope you have a great day. Sounds good. Thanks, Ryan. Be well. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share the episode with your network. Ready to transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology, just like our other clients at 3M, Comcast, Stryker, and Walgreens? Then reach out at sagemarkhr.com for a free consultation.